You are now listening to Enter VR, the podcast where we talk about all things virtual reality. I am Chris Miranda, your host, and on today's show, I'm speaking with Sebastian Kuntz, uh, the CEO of uh, um, a really cool uh, VR company in France. It's called I'm in VR, and they do all sorts of software applications. Um, Sebastian has been around in the VR industry for a long time now, and I'm really excited to have you on the show, man. I'm I'm looking forward to our conversation. Hi, Chris. Thanks very much for hosting this, this show and welcoming me. Yeah, well, you're welcome, and I'm excited, really. Um, all right. So, walk me through your story. I mean, where, uh, where where have you been? You know, what what have you been up to? How how has <laughs> VR, uh, you know, how how have you been involved in VR in the last, let's say, ten years? Okay, let's say. 20 years ago when I was in high school, we went in London and I discovered the first VR pods and I was very excited. It was very crappy, it was lots of latency and it was very bad experience, but I really loved it and I thought, okay, that's what I want to do with my life. And I had no idea how to get into that, so I got an engineering degree and then I said, okay, I want to do VR and I put my resume online on Monster saying I want to do VR without any experience in VR and somebody just hired me for that. So that was the perfect job for me. Well, so well, it was at the French Railways. Per- yes, one question, I'm sorry. So so, so someone yeah. was like, um, so you, you applied for a job in, in VR and you had no experience and, and you, you just got hired? How did that work? Sorry for interrupting, by the way, but I'm really curious. Yeah. <laughs> Um, back in the days, there were not so many jobs in VR, and I thought there was lots of jobs in VR. I said it must be the coolest technology here, so there must be lots of usage for that, so lots of people must be working in that. Turns out I was wrong, but I am lucky. And it was the French Railways, they were doing some research about using VR for training. So not, not simulators for uh, to learn how to drive the train, but like to do procedures around the train. So for example, the first application I worked on was to make sure that, how do you say that? Well, some procedures on the rail rail tracks mm. that the guys have to do. And then the second application was making sure that all the wagons of uh, commercial trains were perfect without any default when leaving. So they could have millions of different defects and when the people were learning that, usually they were looking at the CD-ROM and it was not very effective. And what they thought is like, okay, maybe if we do that in VR, we can simulate any kind of defect, any weather, like rain or sunny. And so this this was a very efficient way of doing training for them. Really cool. And what happened after? How did you you know wind up with I'm in VR or or all that good stuff? Okay, then uh, I stayed at, stayed there for four years doing various VR work, and then I was hired by um, Virtus. Virtus was really a very cool 3D engine before Unity arrived, and I was in charge of adding VR to this 3D engine, so adding all kind of trackers, the stereoscopy, and clustering for all the bigger VR systems like Caves, so that was very fun. And we got bought um, by a big company. It was a bit of a disaster. So I left and I decided, okay, I've spent my whole life doing adding VR capabilities to different 3D engines. So maybe I will start a company and do just that. So I 
put all my knowledge in single SDK plugin, call it what what you want. It's called middle middle VR, like a VR middleware. And so the goal is to simplify the addition of VR to different 3D engines and to simplify the creation of VR applications. Yeah, I remember seeing your talk at the Silicon Valley Virtual Reality Meetup, and I was really, really excited for what you were doing because you were simplifying the process of creation. And in a sense, you know, tools such as yours are, are really important to me because um, I feel like the <clears throat> expansion of the industry uh, should be democratized through really, really accessible tools for everyone to be able to use. Um, and and um and I like you know the path that you're 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 walking on with in terms of that. Um, how did you arrive to the idea? How did you come up with the idea of creating this um, middle VR software? So as I said just before, it was I was when I quit my my job, I was like, okay, I want just to create VR applications, and I looked around at the tools, existing tools, and I found that everything was overcomplicated. I said doesn't have to be so complex. And we're also seeing the trends of VR being democratized. So remember, this was uh, five years ago, so there was no question of the rift. But we already had a start of democratization, like the trackers were getting cheaper, the projectors getting cheaper, some head-mounted displays coming. But that was still prehistory. Mm. But anyway, I wanted to help the people that were along this democratization and so that they could focus on creating great VR applications because every time I saw students and people trying to create applications, they were struggling with the low-level trackers, stereoscopy, and they always ended up spending too much time on this low-level stuff and never have enough time to create great VR applications. And it was very frustrating. So I wanted to do something for that. That's really cool. Are you are you planning on adding... So I've noticed that it's uh, on your site it says it's Unity compatible, but is there... Any other engines that are in the works that you're planning to be compatible with as well? Yeah, we're actually working on Unreal Engine, of course. Cool. Um, and then if people have some requests, we can look into that. Cool. Um, yeah, that's that sounds really exciting. Tell me about your, like, what was it like five years ago, six, seven years ago? Uh, you know, what was the industry like? What was it, the VR industry because it's 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 never been it's never gone away like it, it's always it's always been around but it's not but it just didn't reach you know this Oculus Rift's heights of mainstream awareness. Um, what was it like back then? Okay, so actually VR has been used in the industry for like the past twenty years, uh. and the general public doesn't really know about that. But so it started with the NASA and then all the big car companies starting using that for improving their the design of the cars and then you had some marketing also to create some virtual supermarkets and then all those VR systems were mainly based on projectors so typically most of those, those serious people were using what we call a cave so a cave is basically one big room typically three meters by three meters and all the walls of the room is like a 3D movie. So you have projectors all around, projecting on, on the walls. So you can have front wall, right wall, left wall, and the floor, and the ceiling, and behind you. So you're completely surrounded by 3D screens, like in the 3D movies. Mm -hmm. So that was 
really the standard. And it's still the standard in the industry, so you still have... You don't have so many caves around the world, so maybe 200, 300, 400 caves around the world. So it's not so many, but the people that have them found it very useful. Do you think that the Rift uh, consumer version or you know Morpheus consumer version will replace caves for these big businesses? I think they will be different because with a cave you can have really infinite resolution. You can really just add projectors and you can have really infinite pro uh, resolution. Also, the one big advantage of a cave is that you see your own body. When you put a helmeted display, you don't see your body anymore. And in a cave also, you can be like two or three people together working on the same 3D mockup, interacting, seeing, looking at each other in the eyes. So this will take a bit more time to be replaced by the Rift. So I think that what we will have is more cooperation between the Rift and Case. Mm. It will take time to replace Case, and I'm not sure it will completely disappear. Yeah, what is the so what is the value added when you when you put on an HMD um, for these companies? What are what are they getting from having an HMD versus a cave, for example? So what's really cool is that it's portable. You can just bring it, and you can just buy it for very cheap and put it on every desk. Then one advantage is that you don't see your body, so that can be an advantage or disadvantage. Because then you can replace your physical body with a virtual body. For example, you can simulate being in a car and being somebody taller or somebody smaller so that you can see if you have some ergonomic issues or visibility issues by being in a different body. And that's great. That is really cool. That Yeah, the mobility aspect is something I probably shouldn't have taken for granted because it is quite... Uh, easy to carry around and, and take places. Um, so, so, what was it? You know, what's I also f saw that you are the one um, on the board of the f French Virtual Reality Association. Am I correct on that? Yes. How is yes, exactly. awesome? How is uh, you know the, the association coming along? How is the virtual reality community in France, by the way? How how is it growing down there over there? In very, we have a long history of VR in France and it's been used um, all around France. And we had uh, big research projects in France, like for how do we cooperate in VR, how can VR can help the industry. So VR has been used for a long time in France and we have lots of universities teaching VR, we have lots of research labs doing VR and this can be seen in all the VR conferences around the world. You always have lots of French people around there. And what's unique about France is that we are the first to have this AFRD, which is the French VR Association, and it's meant to bring together all the people doing VR in France. So it can be, uh, as I said, schools, uh, research labs, and the industry. And that, that's really great because it mixes everybody together. And once a year, we make a big conference, and we meet. And so you have research people talking, you have the industry talking, and everybody meets everybody and then they discover they have some shared interests and then they can work on uh, programs together to improve VR. And so that's really unique and it's starting to be spreading this association. So now we have the Euro, Euro VR association, which is kind of inspired by the French one at, at the European level. And I don't think there is something similar in the US. Um, I will double check and see if there is, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that sounds really cool. What is the, 
So, so you mentioned that you were, when you were young, you wanted to be a part of virtual reality. You wanted to be in the industry. Um, and I feel like there's a, a recurring theme or recurring question in, in the sub forums and in the forums and in the reddits that, uh, people who are young and they're in college right now, um, they, they want to be prepared for the virtual reality industry by the time they're out of college. But I don't know, but you know, but I don't know if the American educational system, at least the public school system, is has really caught wind of this thing. And so, you know, you can get generic computer science degrees. I don't know if the generic was the right word, but you can get computer science degrees in order to, you know, sort of uh, be in that general area. But there is no, you know, degree in virtual reality or in, you know, you can't, you can't major in metaverse studies. Like, but but what is it like in uh, France? Can you know? So there, let's say right now there's a listener in France who's uh, really interested in virtual reality, and he's 19, she or he is 19, and they want to, and they're in school. Like, what do they study? You know, what you know, what resources do they have over there? So you have various aspects to VR. You can be either a coder, programmer, or you can be maybe on the research side or maybe a designer or somebody just using VR, not necessarily creating the VR tools, but using the VR tools. And so in France, we have maybe 10 universities teaching VR at various levels. And so we have also lots of internships and uh, lots of teachers teaching VR and they have some hardware and they almost have some partnership with some industrials so they can just go there and use their cave as part of the studies. So I think we're quite advanced in that area. But I think you also have some, you also have lots of researchers in the US. Like if you look around in the IEEE VR conference, you can just look up the names of the American professors and you will see that you have lots of PhD students and masters that are around VR. You just have to look for them. Yeah, that's what I was, uh, I should have clarified a little better. Yeah, master's degree and, and, and up, I feel like you're, you'd have a lot more um, opportunity to find places that are fostering uh, research. But yeah, in terms of like, if you're an undergrad, I don't, I can't think of. Okay. Yeah. No, anyway, that's, VR is about passion. So mm, I like you, won't, it. you won't learn everything just out of university or college. So Mostly you have to sit down, read, learn, talk to people, experience, and you can just download Unity and start right away just by a Rift and you're good to go. You're creating VR right now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that. Yeah. It's, it's, there's so much, <clears throat> there's so much, uh, you know, into like, there's so much about it nowadays that is driven by passion. That is just uh, really cool to see. What is your, what is your ultimate goal? What are you trying to, uh, you know, achieve one year, two years, three years down the line uh, now that, you know, VR is becoming more and more popular? Hmm. So that's the short-term vision, right? Mm-hmm. So our vision now is to help people create VR applications more quickly. So that's the first step. Mm -hmm. So we're adding more and more high-level stuff in middle VR so that you can just use the stuff that we give you and you can quickly create your VR applications. So for example, so first in middle VR, you can just use whatever VR system you want. 
so that's easy to use. And then what we're adding is high level like interactions. How do you navigate in the virtual world with different hardware? So we have different schemes of navigation that you can use. Then how do you interact? How do you grab an object? How do you manipulate it? So you you also have lots of problems when you're starting to interact in 3D. And then we are just finalizing also adding like immersive menus and how to do graphical user interfaces with buttons, sliders, etc. And we're just finishing also a web rendering plugin so that you can just have your web page inside your VR world. So that can be very useful for maybe training to have some training pages with video and explaining what you have to do, or maybe you can have your IKEA web page and you can just pick furniture there and populate your virtual world with that. So it's going to be fun. And the next features that we're going to add is collaboration, because this will obviously be very important in VR. Instead of working with somebody in the same physical space as you, you can just work with anybody all around the world. So it's just sharing the same virtual space and you can just be with them and work with them or having fun with them. Yeah, that uh, my, my follow-up question would be, um, let's pretend I am a, a client um, and I'm a bit skeptical, maybe cynical about VR. And, uh, you know, like uh, I'll ask you, Sebastian, what is, what is it about virtual reality that I can get you know that I can't get off of a, a TV, for example. Um, you know what's so what's so special? You know, again, I'm I'm being I'm playing the the the, yeah. <laughs> the the devil's advocate here, but yeah, you know what is it about VR that is that makes it different than the other mediums, for example? So that's exactly what I explain every time we have clients coming. I explain the advantage of VR over any any other medium, even just even 3D or so the first one is that you feel present in a virtual world and you feel present in this world subconsciously. This means that if I throw a ball at you, you will try to catch it. And if you're near a high cliff, you will have fear of heights. This is the only medium that can create this sense of being somewhere else and that your brain really thinks it's there. And it's not like when you're reading a book or watching a movie, at one point, you might think that, okay, I'm really in the story, but that's really what we call cognitive presence, so that's the high-level presence. But VR really adds what we call the perceptive presence. It's like you're able to trick your whole body into thinking he's into VR. So that's, for me, the fundamental. What that, That's, for me, what defines VR. So it's very difficult to get presence and to maintain it, but once you get it, you can do lots of stuff. So, for example, when you get presence, you can treat somebody's phobias. If he has fear of heights, fear of taking the plane, you can just go into a virtual world and present the same phobia as in the real world. And then it's a great tool for therapists because they will just be able to treat you and help you while you have your phobia. And if somebody goes wrong, they can just stop the simulation. So that's a great tool for therapists. How can it be uh, so? So presence, I, I agree, hundred percent, is a very powerful thing. Um, and uh, there, there's, I, I, you know, you mentioned the 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 good side to it, the fact that we could, we can, and we've been actually using it for treating phobias and PTSD and um, all that stuff. But at the same time, it could could presence also 
be used uh, inappropriately? Could could you know could people create virtual reality experiences that are meant to harm you psychologically? Is that even possible? Do you think that someone could be, you know, you know, mildly traumatized uh, with with VR? Uh, could that be created on purpose? Yeah, I think it can totally happen, and you can just see that with just fear of heights. If not done correctly, you can just increase the phobia. So that's that's a tool that has to be handled carefully. Yeah, I mean, and then, and, um, but uh, we, you, we think about like you know democratizing VR, and democratizing to me it means that you are opening the floodgates to you know the to letting the masses be able to be creative, and 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 when you do that, I feel like you let allow you allow the spectrum. You know, on the one end of the spectrum, you have really really good stuff. And on the other hand, you have the weird, the nasty, the crazy, the bad. And I, I wonder, um, you know, is this is it up to us? Is it up to the community to 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 police or 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 or, or I don't know if police is the right word, but I can't think of anything better to sort of uh, look out for VR experiences that might hinder other people or should we just let the free hand of the market sort of figure itself out like let let you know let people you know run into those bad experiences that are gonna that make you feel really bad and then just never go back to them i mean what, what what's your take i think it's like just like movies or the internet you can't police that so people will do whatever they want and then society will put laws on that it will put rules but it will take time until politicians decide, okay, maybe this is completely wrong and we should forbid that. And so it will be forbidden, so people will still be doing it, but it will be unlawful. Mm. But it will take time. Yeah. Is there is there a possibility to think that VR could be uh, could have a, a wrong imp impression in, into um, in, in like uh, in the political in the political class? Could could do you, do you think that VR could threaten the political class? Hmm. Good question. I have to think about that, but that's the same question with the internet or mm -hmm. TV. So I think at one point, so currently it's the Wild West, so it's mostly independence, people doing stuff, like just like at the beginning of the internet, and then big companies arrive, and then they will flood everything, and they will have more voice. So I think it will be pretty much the same as the internet. That's a good way. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. How long do you think? Uh, how long do you think it'll take before VR becomes mainstream? Where you know the point at which my grandparents are are using uh, an HMD. Hmm. I think this depends on the applications, and until we find applications that your grandparents will want to use, I don't know what. What do you think your grandparents would like to do in VR? Um, they would probably go to a virtual reality Costco, uh, a grocery <laughs> store where, where they'll do their shopping and then they'll have, uh, their groceries delivered by a drone. Um, that would be really cool if they could just, you know, not have to go there and cause I feel like yeah, they're, maybe. they're, they're getting, sorry, they're getting a little, they're getting older. So, um, you know, they, they got all these aches, back aches you know, arthritis, so it'd be nice if they could just, you know, but at the same time, I feel like they do need the exercise, so I, I really don't know where, 
to fall on this. It'd be nice if they could just be at home, put on HMD, and and feel like they're at Costco and they're you know buying the chicken and buying the vegetables and then having it delivered via self-driving car or Amazon drone. But I don't know. Um, it'd be. But then at the same time, they need the exercise because exercise is good for you. Yeah. They will just buy a cigarette fertilizer or. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> Problem solved. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah I mean. They will, uh -huh. they go ahead. Sorry. They just maybe they will want to travel and see things that they were never never been able to see in their lives. Yeah. Uh, like uh, someone would recreate uh, a replica of Shangri-La or Shambhala. Yes. <laughs> That'd be really cool. Um, yeah, I mean, what do you think will be the most popular apps uh, in, gen in general when, when VR becomes mainstream? I think games. Mm -hmm. I think it's like mobile phones also. We could have lots of different applications, but the most popular are games and then about useful applications that's something that we still take time to figure out what can be useful in vr for the general public because in the industry we have lots of examples of what vr can do how we can save time lives and money and i think i hope that entertainment will be very interesting i have lots of ideas for that i should find some funding <laughs> but um what I would like to see is training simulators. I think that's the most fascinating part of VR is that you can learn nearly anything in VR. So if you think about Matrix, you could learn Kung Fu with the best Kung Fu master in the world. And he could show you the gestures and you could just follow it in VR. And you can, what's really great is that you can slow down your movement. So for example, you're doing some sword fighting. You can just slow down time to, to learn the right gesture. That's that's great. That would be awesome. Uh, yeah, I'm with you with that. I feel like training and, and education in general are are, are going to be really big. Um, just the thought, like you know, you know how like firefighters they'll they'll for example they'll train in these you know they'll build these you know these buildings these tall buildings and simulate fires. Um, I I don't yeah. know it, it it's in I'm sure that it costs money, but I feel like if they had um, BRH you know HMDs I. And, and have uh, the ability to, 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 you know, sort between all f sorts of buildings and all forms of situations and scenarios. Um, it's like uh, someone was saying, if you train, if you, I don't know if I was listening to this on NPR or something, but if you, if you imagine, no, Stefan Pernard was saying, if you imagine something uh, inside your mind before you do it, there's a likelihood that you'll do it better. Um, and in VR, that's what you're exactly doing. You're 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 presented with this scenario, and you run through it, and you run through it, and then you, when you actually are presented with it, you you do better than someone who who wouldn't have. Um, and that's really cool. I like I, I like the, that idea a lot. Yeah, exactly. What you learn in VR transfers in reality because you're practicing. You're really practicing in VR, and it's a controlled environment. It's a safe environment. And I have two examples of firefighters training in VR, one with the big dome, and the other one is with the Oculus Rift. So that's already starting to, to happen. Well, how are they, how, how, do, how are they liking it? I mean, how is it, what are their experiences like? Yeah, they find it really interesting because, as you said, it allows them to train on any scenario. 
And what's more is that they can train collaboratively, collaboratively all together and see what happens. And they can do some simple simulations, some complex simulations, and all without any chance of getting harmed. Cool. Um, yeah, it's it's true, and it's it's really cool to see this happening, and it's just it's gonna make it so much cheaper for firefighters and people who need training just all around the world to be to have the access to to information that is oh, talking about learning just staying a little bit on it you know what is the difference between uh just reading a book or ha watching a documentary versus ha using presence to learn i mean what yeah well first is that you're actually moving your body to do the the gestures so that your body is learning, not only your brain, but your body is also learning. Yeah. And you're practicing like you were doing real life. That's the main difference. You're not just watching a movie or something. You're act active and you're doing what you would do in real life. And uh, what's really great also with VR is that you can practice until you master a gesture. Because in, currently in real life, we say, okay, now you have to train five hours, ten hours, because we don't have enough, like for surgeons, we don't have enough bodies for you to practice on. Mm. In VR, you can practice and restart again, and you can be presented with all the variations of the tasks that you have to do. It can be at first simple and then very difficult, and then you can have some extremely rare situations or very dangerous situations that you cannot train for. Let me ask you, uh, uh, I don't know if this is too far-fetched, but do you think that VR if if it becomes so popular in education uh that it just you know that it's just standard it's a standard tool to to learn with, with in, in in all over all over the world like all sorts of schools do you think that it could uh enhance our our our, our cognitive ability do you think so for example like the 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 example that i would use is <clears throat> the kids who are growing up in this era with the internet, I feel like are a lot smarter than kids who, or have the access to to so much more information, and therefore, if if they utilize that information, if they utilize that tool, they could become uh, way smarter than kids, you know, that who grew up in the 80s or the early 90s, like like me, like where I, you know, I didn't, I I grew up without the internet, and it was a completely different world from you know my little cousins today. Do you think that that example will apply to VR? Kids who grow up with VR being ubiquitous, do you think that they're going to have a leg up over the kids today? Yeah, totally, because as you said, with the internet, you have infinite knowledge that you can have access right now, but you're missing the physical practice. And with VR, you have infinite knowledge and infinite physical practice. And each kid can learn to its his own rhythm, he can practice for as long as he likes. And there has been some research that, uh, from Stanford University showing that, so this is a well-known fact that in, uh, in the class, when the teacher is looking at you, you learn better. But the teacher obviously can only look at one pupil at a time. But in VR, he can look at everybody at the same time. So just have different simulation for everyone and if I put my head on to display, the teacher is always looking at me, and if my friend 
is also in the Almaty display, the teacher will also be looking at him because it's a virtual avatar. So everybody will be learning better just from this simple fact. Ah, uh, wow. Um, just to just to counter or just sort of presenting an inter an idea, like if the kid knows that he's in a VR simulation, will it? It will after a while. Do you think the effect of having a v uh, uh, an avatar of a teacher watching him will it? Do you think it'll wear off after a while? Like, well, I know that they're not really looking at me. I'm, I'm in VR. They're they're in VR, and I can't really know for sure that they are. Um, do Do you see what I'm saying? Or yeah, yeah. Mm, good question. I wonder what happens in real life. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But I think you still learn better on one-to-one, -one. and if you don't have distractions all around you, and you can learn at your own rhythm, and if maybe the curriculum is adapted to your own rhythm and uh, capabilities. That's a, yeah, that's a good set of points you bring up. I, f I feel like, yeah, that uh, being able to have tailor-made educational experiences with VR becomes a lot you know, accessible, a lot more accessible. That sounds really cool. Let me ask you really quick about... Um, the Silicon Valley virtual reality presentation that you did a few months ago, and something that oh. that till this day still sticks with me, um, and it was it was a, a sort of a funny moment where you were talking about your predictions on how much money the virtual reality industry will be would be worth, um, and uh, I remember you were like, well, I'm gonna have to update this slide. Um, but I, I I'd like to get your your you know to I'd like to get you to talk about it one more time or or rush you know run through it really quick like you know yeah what was that prediction uh, have you updated the slide what what does it look like now I think in the slide this was something like um, maybe in Europe it would be worth one hundred million dollars and I think now I've seen some new estimations like. In four years, it could be worth five billion dollars. Well, so that's fifty, fifty more times, fifty times more. That is that is that is insane. And I, I is that a? How did you arrive to this calculation? How did you arrive to five billion dollars? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, you would have to ask K Zero. That's the company that does that and published that on the internet. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Um, but I'm sure they they. You know, a big factor would be the acquisition of Oculus by Facebook, right? Uh, yeah, sure. And they, I think they extrapolate from what has been existing, and they extrapolate from the number of hand-mounted displays that could be there. And I don't know. I would like to to ask them. Yeah, five billion dollars is a lot of money, and that that's just Europe, right? No, that's that's a worldwide. Worldwide, okay. So in four years, they're saying that it's the VR industry will be worth five billion dollars. But that would be that's what they say, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that would be insane. I mean, that that's a uh, that's insane amounts of growth. Like 2018, the, yeah. who, who who's gonna have all that money? <laughs> um, <laughs> that, but what's interesting is that it's nearly split half and half between hardware and software. Mm. And so now you think, everybody's thinking about hardware. Like everybody's focused on the Oculus Rift and the trackers. And then when you look at TV now, nearly nobody's talking about the hardware. Everybody's talking about the content. And I think that's exactly what will happen also very soon in VR. Once we have some very good hardware, people will only be talking about the content. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's that's, that's a good point. Uh, I feel like it's... Uh... 
just sort of how it, it, it feels like uh, it's a replica or it'll, it might run parallels with the smartphone industry. Uh, after a while, smartphones just all feel and look the same and work the same way. And yeah, so yeah, the only like, yeah. yeah the only thing that differentiates them is like, you know, what kind of apps do you have on that thing? Like, <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. So, so that's interesting. That so are you of the opinion that the you know it's gonna get to a point where the majority of the wealth will be created through software then? Yeah, well, in my mind, VR is mainly a software problem mm -hmm. because we have really great hardware. Even before that, when we had just gates or just um, expensive advanced displays, we don't know how to take the most out of it. And even now with the Rift, it will take a long time to, to know, okay, what can we do with this new stuff? And that's the same thing that happened uh, when the radio came. When the radio came, people just were just broadcasting opera, and then it took some time. Okay, maybe we can create some specific content for this. And then when TV came, they were broadcasting theater plays. And then I said, okay, maybe we can do something else with this. And with VR, it will also take time. And with VR, it's a bit it's a bit more complicated because you are working on the user's brain, mm. and we don't really know how the brain works. And this will take time to to know how it works. That is, that's a really good point you bring up. I mean, I'm, and it's one of the aspects about, about virtual reality that I'm really fascinated with is the fact that there is something happening inside your brain when you're in there. Like that says sense of presence that, or that visceral, visceral gut feeling that you get when you're at the edge of a cliff in VR, like there's something happening in your brain. Like, and, and I, and I, I think it, VR or HMDs or you know th this technology as a whole is is could quite possibly could quite possibly be a portal to the human brain. Um, we could figure out new things about ourselves through it. Uh, is, is that something that you think is possible or to 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 uh, start tricky? Instead, that's already happening. Mm -hmm. We have lots of people using VR to understand human perception. And just, just one example. Um, what do you think is the most important for standing right and not falling? Is it your eyes or is it your inner, he inner ear? Uh, I would go with the inner ear. Okay, so one way to test it is in VR, you stand straight. And you have a world that slowly rotates. So your inner ear is not moving. So if your inner ear is what really gives you your balance, you should not fall, right? Mm -hmm. So scientists have been doing that. They've been putting you in the virtual world, and the virtual world slowly rotates. And at one point, people just fall. Really? So this shows that in this situation, Vision dominates over the inner ear. What? Really? Yes. Whoa. So, okay. Huh. So, so huh. What? Well, I don't know how to... I you, can, you can only study that in VR. Only in VR you can dissociate what you see from what you feel in your inner ear or what you see from what you feel with your hands. That, huh. That's a... I've never... I was on... Wow. 
Yeah, let me let me take a second to think about this. That's a good. Yeah, maybe I can. I have a second example, so you can. Let's run. Time. I'm ready. I'm ready for that. the second one. Yeah. So stay focused. So if you're in the in the real world, you have a table in front of you. So the table is flat. Okay. Uh -huh. You can touch it with your hand, so you feel that it's flat. Yeah. If in VR, you have a virtual hand that touches a virtual table that is rotated. And at the same time, your real hand touches a real table that is flat. Mm -hmm. So remember, your virtual hand is touching a virtual table that is rotated. And so when you do this, your brain will tell that what you're touching in real life is rotated because your vision shows you that your virtual hand is touching a rotated table. And so again, your vision is dominating and telling your other senses that do not agree with what you see that it's what, ha what is happening. So your vision dominates your senses most of the time. This is more or less subtle mind control, isn't it, though? It's reality control. Reality control, okay. <laughs> that is, it's fascinating to think that, and, and mind you, are these HMDs like, um, are these, how are these HM, HMDs with latency and, and screen resolution? Does it take much to fool the human brain? Does, do you need a, like a 4K screen and insanely low latency to be able to fool uh, the, the brain? I think that's mostly down to latency first. Mm. And you, you've seen that with the DK1, Oculus with DK1, the resolution was not so good, but latency was very low and high field of view, of course. But then you can get fear of heights, and that's that's putting your brain fear of fear of heights. Yeah. Oh wow, that is. How do you think that this could be abused? This, um, you know, the the again, I, I feel like I'm repeating myself, but I, yeah, I feel like this is uh, so powerful, really, to think that you could you could do that. I was watching a video last night on uh, uh, on YouTube. It was called "Elders Reacting to the Oculus Rift." And at one point, a lady was like, uh, was looking at the rift before putting it on, and she's like, "Is this some sort of mind control device?" Sure. <laughs> like, oh, lady, you, if only you knew. Um, yeah, you have no idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but that that's already happening also. And uh, for example, still from Stanford, from uh, Jeremy Benson, you should check out these videos. They're really great. Mm -hmm. You can modify the behavior of somebody in multiple ways. So the first way is that we can give you um, better confidence in yourself. So we just give you a better looking avatar or an ugly avatar. So that's a study that they really did at Stanford. You have a good looking avatar and an ugly avatar. And they've shown that people having the more beautiful, more strong avatar has more confidence while in the virtual world than the ugly avatars. But what's interesting is that this confidence in the real world translates in the real world. So like one hour after this experiment in the virtual world in which you have a very nice avatar, they ask you to go on a dating site. And it has been shown that people with better looking avatars one hour ago, they will pick up girls that they would not pick up otherwise, like more beautiful girls. Whoa, <laughs> that's crazy. That's that's uh wow. That's crazy to think of that. Like that is, huh? The I was VR could easily I think bump up the birth rate 
all over the world. We're going to start reproducing yeah. uh, way faster than... <laughs> that's that's insane. Um, so, so confidence... Go ahead. Yeah, confidence and also social behavior. Like one of the last experiments they did is uh, you're in a city and you're on Superman, so you can fly. Or you're just in a helicopter. And they've shown also that people that were Superman, they had a better chance to help people in the real life after that. So if you had any problem, people would be more likely to help you if they were a Superman in a virtual world. So also this feeling of being somebody powerful and that can help other people. This feeling was also translated in real world, real world. So that's why I really think that, okay, sure, VR can be used for powerful things, but I really want VR to be able not to escape reality, but really to improve reality. Yeah, and you, it sounds like it, it could easily it could easily pull that off. I, I, that is uh, such a powerful thing. You you could act, you could enhance or help your mood or how you feel about yourself without the need for you know pharmacological uh, drugs. Like that is that's ins- that's amazing. It but even, 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 yes, please. I, I was gonna ask like who is working on this? Who is there some company out there that is creating you know feel good about yourself VR or you know feel you know it's like um, you know how you have these commercials uh, in the states you have these commercials for like Viagra or Xanax and they'll tell you like you know you feel better about yourself and have a you know have a better ego whatever or not um, is there is there an equivalent a, a sort of company in v, that is working in VR that is making software that is all completely uh, geared towards making you feel good about yourself, like, you know, self-con... Not that I know of, but I think we just gave the idea to lots of people that we'd be doing that. Please, uh, if you're out there, please, you will be... You, you <laughs> yes, will make, send it to us. Yes, you will make bank, and please send me a check for it, because I just gave you <laughs> the idea. <laughs> um, but yeah, you were saying yeah, earlier... You can also use VR to, yes, to, just to create empathy. Mm-hmm. So that's so that's first you created empathy for yourself, like feeling better about yourself. But then you can also put yourself in the shoes of somebody else, and so that can be a great tool, for example, for non-governmental uh, associations. So, for example, if you want to raise awareness of uh, people in a wheelchair, maybe you want to change how the cities are built or designed, and you want to maybe the mayor to to take that into account. So you can just put the mayor in a virtual wheelchair and you will see how difficult it is to navigate in the city, to go in the bus, to go into the subway, and he will feel the difficulty. He will really experience it. So maybe next time you will feel, okay, I've lived it. I know how difficult it is. Maybe I can do something about that. So I agree 100% with you I, 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 with in terms of the empathy part, but I'm going to play the devil's advocate again because it's it's good to have a good discussion. Just, so just how it could be used <clears throat> to create empathy and to, to help people in, in that sense. Do you think it could also be used to desensitize people? So so do you think militaries or, or private contractors around the world with private militaries will put their soldiers or PMCs inside of this VR simulation that will run them through all these warlike scenarios and, and, and desensitize you little by little, making you a more you know, numb sort of being that can go into war and kill and murder and... I don't know, what do you think? Yeah, do you think uh, it could be used? Yeah, 
yeah, probably because you can just get them used to that slowly and controlled environment and maybe things would be more gore and gore and then they would just be used to that. Yeah, totally. That is... But that is... Go ahead. Yeah, that's creepy. But at the same time, I'm always the positive. <laughs> uh, I've seen research also about that they can... If one of their colleagues is wounded and the wound is particularly awful, in real life they completely panic. Even if they are trained, etc., they will just panic and they will do wrong moves and they will just the guy will just die because of the panic and the stress level. And so in VR they can just practice that with very awful wounds. And as they're trained, they will have less stress and they will behave more in a better way and they will save their colleague more often. Hmm. Well, that's a plus. That's good. I'm glad you're uh, optimistic on this side. It's it's a good balance. Um, you know, the other thing that I wanted to ask you is, you know, where do you think this is going to lead us? What's what's the long run? Um, you know, twenty years. I know this is a fool's errand to try to predict the future, but I I I live in the future. I love thinking about it. Um, what is what do you what do you think this is going to lead us to this road having now the ability to create presence uh, through an HMD and you know what what is it going to look like in the future so I think what will happen of course is that you will have massive online virtual worlds so just like second life but even better so that's what's happening with uh, Oculus and Facebook that's what they're creating actually and also the question will be, what will it be used for? And I think we don't know yet because that's something that will be created along the way. So we will have the, the obvious, like entertainment, learning, sex, and then, and then I don't know. I just can't wait to see that. Yeah, me neither. Do you have any idea? Uh, I, I, my guess, if if I were to make one at all, uh, is that I think there's it's going to get so big that it's gonna, uh, that we're gonna create an economy inside of it, and this economy will rival virtual the VR economy will rival the real economy, and 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 perhaps even overtake it at one point. Um, and you you know I I think it's already the case. Yeah, it's coming along, isn't it? Especially with the yeah. Sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> not just a, not just a, a digital economy, games, mm-hmm. and movies. That's already huge. Mm-hmm. It, especially when like I think about like um, there was an article from the Economist a while a little while ago that came out and they were predicting or saying how by twenty fifty forty seven percent of all American jobs are going to be automated. Robots are going to take over, and you wonder like, all right, well, we're not getting any. Uh, any less populated, uh, and we're not, you know, we're not going to just, you know, hand out money for free. So where are people going to find value and add value and create wealth, um, you know, without the need, or without the need for natural resources, or, or you know, I, I think it should be inside of a metaverse sort of economy where you can use your creativity and, you know, just modify. A, VR to create the things that add value to others and create wealth. Um, so we'll see. I don't know. Who's going to own follow-up question. Who, who's going to own the metaverse? And by the way, what do you think is the metaverse? I should have asked that first. Hmm. 
what's the middle way? So yeah, when people are talking about VR, but a few years ago, everybody was talking about Second Life and World of Warcraft. And because in the mind of people, VR is both the metaverse, so meeting people on, in a 3D world, and the immersion with presence. And so in the future, so the metaverse would be at the same time presence and social. And yeah, that's the only definition I have, really. Mm. And do you, who, do you, th do you know... Do you know? Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what I want to say. Who's going to own it? Do you think that it's going to become a, a place that uh, that is kind of like kind of like the web today where you know anybody can go in it you know i can go on on google for free i can i don't have to pay anything to anyone or or do you think it's going to be like a walled garden that you have to you know pay a subscription to access like there's a landlord fee i don't know what do you how do you think ownership is going to play out in the metaverse will i be able to own my own place and be able to rent it out or or sell it you know all that all that stuff like what do you think is going to work out. I think we already had the example in Second Life, people buying houses. And I know that there was one girl that was creating virtual houses in Second Life and she got millionaire just by that. Wow. Just that's uh that's crazy. She was selling this design. Yeah, that's crazy. And I think this this will happen again and that's also like the in the world of Warcraft, people just selling items and money and I think that Virtual goods will be huge. So yes, you will be able to buy any kind of avatars, any kind of goods, but also special abilities. Like, I don't know, but I think that's, you will buy scripts and you will buy programs and you will buy things that extend your capabilities, your perception, maybe your body, your brain. What about law and order? Do you think that, um, there's going to be virtual reality metaverse courts where people can settle their differences or, or their disputes, contract disputes, I don't know. Um, or do you think there's going to be virtual reality jails or banning systems <laughs> where, I, I, you know, what do you think is going to play out? I f because I feel like there's going to be, there's going to be, there's going to be issues between people, uh, between people and businesses and there's going to be assholes. And how do we deal with these people? Like, how do we deal with this, you know, inevitability? <laughs> Yeah, this mainly poses the question of which laws to apply. Are we going to apply American laws, French laws? No. Will it be the metaverse laws that will be created specifically for that? Who will run that? Who will, will there be a government, online government, that will be completely different? That, will we vote for that? Uh, we should, uh, we should uh, all come together and start a a non-profit organization that is in charge of assigning representatives from every country uh and they would cycle every year so you can only be there in one you know for a whole year and then you get cycled and so everybody and so and they're elected they should be elected because now we have the tools to elect people virtually within you know milliseconds or the speed of light right so why not I don't know. I, maybe we'll have maybe we'll have lots of different governments. Maybe we'll have ten different metaverse, like the metaverse of the desert, metaverse mm. of the sea, and they will have presidents for each one and very different laws, and you'll just choose whatever law you want. 
Do you think we're gonna need passports then? I'll I'll have a I'll have a pa I'll need my passport to go inside the French metaverse, and they'll be like, no, Chris. Yeah, I know you've been talking shit about <laughs> I don't know, uh, <laughs> Francois Hollande. You know, oh fuck, I can't go. Oh, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think anyway, people owning the metaverse will be able to restrict whatever they want and unlock that based on money or. Is that something that is is that something that could hinder though, like humanity, this this fragmentation of information? Because I feel like that's that's what you would be doing. You would you would fragment uh, this this the access to all this potential information that you would otherwise get, you know, limitless on the current internet, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but you also have private chat rooms and private websites that have knowledge behind that. That's true. So it depends on when, where we put value. Do we put value in the experience, in the knowledge? How about... I think people, Go ahead, sorry. I just think people will put more value in experience that's easier to live than having active search of knowledge that way. You know, something, uh, another thing that I was really, uh, that I am really hopeful for the, for the metaverse, right, the, that's eventuality, is uh, the idea that in, in the metaverse, anybody could mix with anybody, no matter what race or class or gender or religion, and, you know, it would give you this sense of oneness, you know, like, you know, I don't, I don't know what your house looks like. I don't know what skin color you have. You're just another being on the other side of the planet and we're in here. Um, do you, but my question is though, like, do you think it's our social classes system? Do you think that's going to translate to the metaverse? Do you think that we're going to have people driving, you know, Ferraris, in the metaverse, and then I'll I'll only be able to afford a a Ford Pinto. I mean, what do you what do you think? I think first you will have a separation between people that can go in the metaverse and the people that can't go. Mm. That's the first, but this will always always be the case. And then you will have better gear, like better advanced display, better gloves. I don't know, maybe haptic devices. And, and even with that, we can see that on the internet. Like, even if you're anonymous, we don't know where we come from. And if you have anonymity, people just tend to be assholes. Yeah. Yeah. They, so. Huh. So it's going to be interesting. Let's talk about hardware for a sec. What do you think is the uh, ideal, in your mind, what do you think would be the ideal input device uh, for virtual reality? <laughs> That's the one billion dollar question. Yeah. <laughs> and first we will see what Oculus will be announcing in two weeks. Mm -hmm. So I can't wait to see that. And what we've been using for 20 years is a simple joystick, joystick tracking space. And what I like about that versus something like the Kinect or Leap Motion is that you have something physical in hand and you can add vibrations. And when you press a button, it always works compared to a gesture that does not work 100% or voice control that also does not work 100%. And just having barehanded is complicated. So maybe haptic devices in the hands. Oof. We have lots of complicated, complicated questions. 
<laughs> so the most obvious would be just okay, replicate reality and just have uh, tactical sensors all on your body so that you can feel pressure and you have heat sensors and things that can recreate heat. And then we have to see beyond that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know about what, but something that can improve all of our reality and yeah, I have to think about that. That's a good question. Yeah, uh, I was gonna follow up with a, a different sort of question on another parallel uh, to to what we're on is, uh, did I just forget the question? Oh my God, no, I did not. Uh, the question is, uh, will we have you know, like a what do you think, in your opinion, is the most ideal representation of virtual reality? Is it a, a, a virtual reality in which it mimics or it replicates reality to the T? Like it's just indistinguishable, like a, a, v, a VR, a virtual reality in which, you know, I put on the HMD and holy crap, I can't tell the difference. Or is it in a, a virtual reality in which it is so fantastical it is so insane every time you put it on oh my god i am tripping on drugs like this is insane or is it a, a mix of both where it's like it replicates virtual like it replicates reality to the t but you have superpowers so i'll put on the hmd and i'll be inside my house and then i'll walk outside and i'll just fly like superman but it'll be in in, in san francisco like daily city like you know, out of those three scenarios, what do you think is the most ideal for you, and which one do you think is going to become the most popular? Again, it mostly depends on usage. What do you want to do at this particular time? If you just want to relax, maybe you want to have a real sun setting down on the real sea. And if you want to practice, maybe you want to have a world that is maybe simpler, in which you can see invisible gases so that you can understand the hidden mechanism behind that. And if you just want to have fun, maybe you can just play Team Fortress 2 and be a cartoon. So that's, I think you will all the time change. So you will have all mix of everything and not everything at the same time. Yeah, I'm, uh, I am I would love to, I personally would love to have a, a virtual reality in which it, rim, it mimics real life like to the T, but at the same time, it, I would have superpowers. So I would, again, I step out of the house and I'm, I, I would go meet my friends on the other side of the city and we'd, we'll, we will all arrive by flying or teleporting or something. And then, you know, it, it'll feel like, I don't know, it'll be, it'll be really cool <laughs> to have superpowers and, uh, and, and fly around SF, um, and then walk through yeah, a, At one point you will be bored by it this reality you will want something else to say hey look at my castle that i just built well come to my place ah that's a good one that is true i might i might get bored i might need a little bit more uh uh fantastical uh experiences for sure yeah, yeah and then you want to change the laws of physics change gravity have 10 versions of yourself walking around <laughs> How, how that that leads me to another question like having 10 versions of myself walking around like do you think that it vr will change us culturally um like and by culturally yeah, I, my example goes to the smartphone again smartphones have changed us there's no question about it they've changed our habits they've changed the way we just interact with each other 
How do you think VR will change us? Well, the, I think the most obvious will be it destroys the barrier of real-world distance. So if, if I want to meet somebody in Tokyo, I just I don't need to take the plane. I can just be with him and talk to him, work with him instantly without having to take the plane. Hmm. Yeah. So or I could be with my parents because they have, they they are 500 kilometers from here. And I can just phone them or Skype them. It's not the same as being with them in the same place and talking, blah, blah, blah. How, how long do you think it will get to the point where, you know, VR is just as good? Uh, because even even now, like if I go on VR chat and as amazing as VR chat is and as cool as it is, it's still, I still feel like I'm talking to an avatar. I still feel like I'm talking to, you know, I'm, I'm in a 3D, you know, created space. But do we need do we need that do we need like like do we need to have it to a point where it's like indistinguishable from reality for us to really have engaging um, engaging uh, conversations and just being around other people or or I mean what do you think? I think we can have nice conversations and nonverbal communication with some cartoons, for example. Mm-hmm. When you see a Disney movie, you you're just crying because the the lamp is crying, and it's just a lamp crying. Hmm. Yeah, that is yeah. Well, that it's uh it's gonna be amazing. I mean, whatever it is, it's just it's gonna be an amazing ride. Now, uh, good sir, you have entered the rabbit hole, uh, and I just have a couple questions. We're just gonna uh, run through them really quick, um, and they're random questions. They're completely out of the top of my head. Do you think that in this century we will be able to talk to animals or be able to create devices that can translate uh, animal thoughts or noises into human uh, discernible language? Yeah, we are already starting to be able to talk to some chimpanzees and some birds, I think, also. So I think soon we will have dolphins and then whales and yeah, I think this that's doable. How do you think people? How do you think it will change us? The moment when we can hear or we can sort of know what a dolphin or a or a chimp is thinking. Like, do you think that people will look at animals differently? Yes, I think if, if we can show that these animals can think and behave, it will feel like we have aliens on Earth and it will change everything. That could be fun. I want to know what my cat, my cat thinks. <laughs> it, that's, a good, that's a good way of saying it. Like, I don't feel like we have aliens on Earth. Yeah. <laughs> in, in, do, do you think that in your lifetime you will um, ever meet a human being that is not born on Earth? No. No. So there's no way that you'll ever meet, you know, how, how, do you have an estimation as to how much, how, how old do you want to be? <laughs> how old I want to be when? One? So the question is like, you know, do, how old do you want to be? Um, like, and, and, and by that time, do you think that you'll ever meet a, a human being not born on planet Earth? I think it will be in like maybe in 100 years and I will be dead. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, that's a uh, hundred years. That's that's really far away, man. I don't I don't know if I don't know if I uh, if I wanna if I wanna wait that long. Mm. Yeah, okay. So take your girlfriend and go to Mars. Yeah, and uh, have a kid there. I think that would be really cool. Yeah. <laughs> the problem is, it's bringing them back. Like, what pa- you know, who what passport are they gonna carry? Are they gonna be considered? Are, are people gonna <laughs> are they gonna bully him at school or hit her at school because? Hey, you're not from Earth. You're not, you know, kids can be cruel. You're a Martian. Yeah, gra- yeah, but the gravity will be different, so she will be different. We will ingen- genetically engineer her to have a body that will adapt to gravity. Oh, I, okay. That's yeah. I don't know. We'll see. It's going to be... Uh... Yeah, I, are you are you excited at all about the prospect prospect of exploring space? Um, are you would you ever want to explore space or leave Earth for a yes, little bit? Yes, I would love to. I would love to. Maybe one day when I'm rich enough, I will go on the moon somewhere. Take me with you. Why, why the moon? Because that's that's more doable than Mars. Mars is three years three years away. That's that's a long 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 trip. Yeah. Would you and you would never you would try to like you wouldn't want to go to Mars too far away three years. There's nothing there. It's just rocks. <laughs> and we can we can be we can be VR there. We can just send robots and do some telepresence and be there virtually and just come back for dinner. You sir have uh, thought of something really cool and we should charge people yeah. for it. There you go. Yeah. That that's how you that's how you get to Mars. You 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 send let's send a. a a 360 camera that will live stream uh, from Mars, and anybody can just plug in through the Rift, and then they can be, they can see a, a live Martian la- landscape, uh, and they'll be like, "Okay, this is it. I could have gone to the desert." <laughs> yeah, Nazar, do you hear us? Just do that, please. <laughs> By the way, when last rabbit hole, rabbit hole kind of question, what do you think of the possibility of finding life? in our solar system um do you think that any of jupiter's moons or you know somewhere hidden in the martian polar ice cap there's there's some sort of bacteria or microorganism growing or living there yeah i'm pretty sure there is every day we see like in space oh we find we just found one bacteria that's living here and we think it's comets that brought life so i'm pretty sure that's Something, but I'm not sure it's very interesting about the fact that it's not on Earth. But I hope so. What? Why? Why do you think it's? How? How does that enlighten me? How do you feel like that's not interesting to Earth? Well, it, it would probably just be bacteria and mm-hmm. not very complex beings. But prove me wrong. I would love to see that. Dude, I want to see a uh, narwhal in Europe, uh, Europa. That would be really cool. Ah, yeah. So, Sebastian Kuntz, you have been a true scholar yes. and gentleman of virtual reality. I'm going to start thing, bringing things to a close. How can people stay in touch? How can people support what you're doing um, and, and all that good stuff? Um, well, uh, first I will be in California around the Oculus Connect. So if you want to grab a beer, I'll be in Los Angeles and maybe San Francisco. So I would love to do that. Sweet. <laughs> And then you can just come on our website. It's I mean I am I am dash VR dot com, and you can download Middle VR. So we have a free version that you can just have fun with, and we are preparing a new version just for handheld displays. 
and we're trying to help you create great VR applications. So make us proud. Uh, that sounds that sounds awesome. <laughs> that sounds really cool. And you know, all the information will be in the show notes. Uh, if you want to get in touch with him, please do. He's you really are a cool man. Like like doing really cool stuff, and you have a lot going for you. And I'm excited to see you in real life at Oculus Connect. I'm looking forward to that. Um, but yeah, it's been awesome. And thanks again for your time. Thanks again for inviting me. It was really great.